What are you waiting for? I bet a lot of you are wondering that right about now. <laughs> we often think of the phrase, like, what are you waiting for? As a means, like, to hurry somebody up. Uh, hurry, hurry up and do something. Like, you're at the traffic light and the light goes green and the person in front of you has about 0.25 of a second before you start thinking, what are you waiting for? Hurry up and go. And... Even if you're second in line and guaranteed to get through, just the process of waiting can be ridiculously uncomfortable sometimes, more than it should be. I tell you what though, at its core, the phrase means more than that. What are you waiting for? What is yet to come? What is happening before what will happen? And once you give your waiting purpose, you turn procrastination into preparation. So what, what are you actually waiting for? And waiting isn't a very comfortable thing. Like what did you do while I sat here for a good 30 seconds? Like what's, what's your waiting go to? Did you turn your, to your phone for entertainment? Or did you think that something was wrong? Maybe you turn to your friends or your family that are around you and ask them, what, 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 do, you, what do you think's happening? Or maybe you were looking in the comments to see if there are any pastors commenting, saying that there's something going on. Or some, some of you pressed in even closer and were, and were watching in anticipation for what was happening next. Like, did you feel uncomfortable or excited or bored? Were you frustrated or, or unprepared for the wait? And all of these are fair enough feelings, even with something as simple as just sitting there for 30 seconds. But we can live free from the fear of waiting if we prepare ourselves for that patience. If we align our waiting go-to with what we're waiting for. So I go uh, surfing occasionally um, and I'll be there, out there for a few hours and sometimes I'll only catch one or two waves. Um, and I, I don't sit there watching the swell in the distance thinking like, oh, hurry up like I you know, wish the waves were coming faster like I know that the waves will come when they come and in the meantime I wait and I'm prepared for that patience I go out there expecting it and when I'm waiting there I can wait with purpose so I'm watching the waves and preparing and I'm positioning myself for the next set of waves and there's always another set of waves in life and it's important to have waited long enough to recover so that you're strong enough to paddle and catch those waves when they come. But just as valuable is being prepared and in the right position to catch the wave well. Otherwise you drift and end up getting dumped on or carried away by the currents. So you're constantly sitting there watching for the waves, but you're also underneath the surface kicking your legs just getting yourself a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, watching where the peak of the, the wave is happening so that when the right wave comes, you can catch it. And God will prepare things that we need to wait for, but we need to be proactive, kicking our feet under the water so that when the time for waiting is over and the wave comes, we're ready to catch it. Now, last week we had Easter, uh, so that was a lot of fun. So we received a bunch of baptisms, um, it, it was it was heaps of fun and what a special day to get baptized. And every single year, these people are getting 
get to celebrate with Easter eggs uh, alongside obviously the main event that Jesus has risen and that is a huge thing to celebrate alongside the uh, the death to self and the, and the rebirth of baptism. It's really exciting. Uh, and I was thinking about uh, what to talk about uh, for, for this week after one of the biggest Christian celebrations of the year. So I thought I'd look and see uh, what did the disciples do after the biggest Easter ever, the first one. So Luke tells us just that, what they did in, in Acts 1. He's talking about Jesus here and what happened after Jesus has been resurrected. Uh, and it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So why do I have to wait a few days? Why didn't, just, why didn't Jesus just give a big show and go like, hey, hey, check this out. Like I'm, I'm resurrected, all is fulfilled. Here's the Holy Spirit. Wham, like right then and there. Uh, why didn't they just experience the spirit from then? Why did Jesus make them wait? We know that that didn't happen because it goes on. And in his verse nine, after he said this, he was, this is Jesus. He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is Jesus disappearing into a cloud. The disciples left down and the disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Pause there. Like, fair enough. Right? They were just standing there watching. Fair enough. They, they saw Jesus disappear upwards. <laughs> so the disciples were standing there like this. Like, oh, there's, there's Jesus. Yes. Or if, if they were dads, they would be standing there like this. <laughs> but when suddenly, as I was standing there, two men dressed in white, stood beside them. These are angels. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Or I might reword that phrase that the angels say as, What are you waiting for? Not to rush them. Jesus had asked them to wait. Instead, this is to remind them, What did Jesus ask you to wait for? As he said, and as we read earlier in the verse, Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. So after they hear the angels remind them and assure them that Jesus will come back, they returned to Jerusalem and prayed and waited. And as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit came. And a few days later in Acts 2, we read, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's the Holy Spirit. The, the disciples were able to wait with confidence because they knew that their waiting had a purpose. The time that they spent without an answer about what was coming wasn't a waste of time because they were waiting with a purpose. What are you waiting for? What is next for you? Where has God called you that you haven't been yet? And what God, what gift has God got in store for you? And, and how are you preparing for that gift? 
There's a, the story of, of David and Goliath, which um, so many of us are familiar with. Um, you might not, uh, David didn't exactly know what God was preparing him for, which was a pivotal battle against Goliath. But David still prepared before this life-changing battle where a slingshot took down a giant. You might not know exactly what God is preparing you for, but you can be preparing before you know exactly what that is as well. See, David did a lot of purposeful waiting as a shepherd. He would have spent a whole bunch of time watching livestock eat grass, but he wasn't just aimlessly wandering around, sitting under trees, watching sheep. He spent his time practicing with his slingshot, with a keen eye, getting really good at it, looking out for lions, wolves and bears that might attack his flock. But, and because he was waiting with a purpose and he was practicing in the waiting, waiting with anticipation for a lion, he was ready when the lion came. And with every lion slain, he was becoming ready to be a giant slayer. So David didn't know that that was what God had planned for him. But that didn't stop David from planning. You might not know what God has planned for you, but that doesn't have to stop you from planning. And like often a good indication of what you're waiting for over here can be what you're doing now already. Like think about the places God has planted you, your workplace, uh, your home, your friends, the people that he's placed in your life, the, the life experience that you've already got or the skills and gifts that you're already developing or have already been developing. Like these could all be really good indications of where God is sending you uh, or, or of what you're waiting for. And while you're waiting for what God has in store for you, use those things around you to plan and prepare for that thing. Use what you've got now to prepare yourself for what is coming. Every single day, we can be preparing in that way. A line could come at any moment. So we need to be watching and practicing while we wait. A friend might need some extra support. Uh, so have a keen ear for what they aren't saying in a casual conversation to be ready to support them. Or the, the children's fund might need some extra generosity for a new building right when you have an excess of savings and can help. Or your car mechanic might ask you about a Bible verse right when you've been preparing and reading that chapter throughout the week. In the, in the background of all of these things, they're, they're all preparing you for a Goliath, a big wave. And, and when it comes, you can slay that giant and you can catch that big wave because you were preparing for it while you waited. And David waited 15 years as a shepherd. And, and Jesus was about 30 before he started his ministry. And he was God the whole time, the whole 30 years. So of what it, that, that big what are you waiting for is might not be around yet, but it's coming. And maybe God will bring someone along that will, you'll end up marrying. And, but you've been getting mentoring on healthy relationships beforehand. Or you might feel called to an entirely new career. And... You've been preparing because you've been turning up for somebody in your life group that's needed support in their own career for a few weeks. And it's like, but without knowing it, you've been preparing for something. And even if you're not sure what you're waiting for, 
it doesn't mean you can't still prepare. So you, you can pray often. You, you can stay in community like the disciples. You can spend time practicing the skills that God has blessed you with like David did. Or maybe you can spend time on the mountaintops or places that connect you with God like Jesus did. Just resting in the presence of God and, and listening. Sometimes the best thing that you can do in the waiting is to finally get around to just sitting and listening. It's a special thing to be present with God without the whole relationship relying on his response. Like sitting in the surf without any waves on the horizon, waiting can be a beautiful and restful thing in and of itself. Maybe what you're waiting for in this season is rest. Just remember there's always another set of waves and there's a whole bunch of these timeless spiritual disciplines that can help us to wait well. And whether we know what we're waiting for or not yet, we can keep walking in the right direction, even if we don't know the destination. And we, we can wait with purpose and what we're waiting for becomes clearer while we're waiting well. So how is your waiting going? And what do you think you're waiting for? What's happening around you? And what could you be doing now to prepare for what you're waiting for? What are you waiting for? Psalms 130 says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen, wait for the morning. More than watchmen, wait for the morning. What are you waiting for?